Good morning, everybody. It's a big day in America. I'm sure everybody's in agreement, but I'm just, I want to celebrate and praise God for what happened on Friday. I was looking through some belongings of my father. He collected newspapers from momentous events like when JFK died and on the 200th anniversary of America. And and he had the newspaper from June 1973 when uh, that horrific law was put into place. And I happened to find it the day that it was repealed. It was just a tremendous thing. But God is so awesome and there is no limit to what he can accomplish when we say yes to him. And I, the message that God put on my heart this morning is to emphasize and bring some encouragement out of the last two messages that Lena preached on the invitation and deliver us from evil. And so if you didn't hear the message, just a couple of the highlights. The first message was the invitation is that God is extending an invitation to us individually and corporately. And there's a time that we're moving into as a church body that we've been waiting on. But the thing about an invitation is just because it's sent doesn't mean it's going to be responded to. And just because we respond, even in an affirmative, in other words, we say yes, doesn't mean we'll always make it to the event because sometimes things happen. Sometimes we don't honor our words, sometimes whatever. But there's a responsibility on our part to say yes and to follow up and follow through on that yes if we want to enter into what he has for us. And so prophetic words, written words, words in services, uh, we can say yes to them, but it's dangerous and sometimes we're tempted to think that just because God has spoken, it's an automatic thing. It's going to happen. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment, about why we think that sometimes as the body. But the second message, deliver us from evil, was emphasizing that our purpose is not just to get delivered, but to stay delivered. And how do we walk in that? Lena talked about avoiding bad influences and, and voices that would contradict God's word, resisting and praying against things that contradicts God's word and our attitude. One of my daughters was on Chop Jr., if you've ever watched that show before. And I feel oftentimes like when I get up here, I feel so the way that that show works or those shows work is you're on the spot, you get a clock and you get a certain amount of time and they give you some ingredients and then they say, go. And and I feel like that a lot of times because I, the way that God speaks to me in my messages is he'll give me some experiences and some verses and then he'll kind of weave a theme together. And 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 then all of a sudden I start seeing so many things that, that go along with that. And I'm just overwhelmed at how awesome he is. But I want to hear and say what he's saying and I want to do what he's doing. And so, uh, Father, that's my prayer today that you would speak through me, that you would just speak to us, help us to hear what you're saying we want to say yes to you as fully and as frequently as possible. There's no lack and there's no deficiency and there's no shortfall on your end. It's anytime we experience less than your full will, it's on our end. And God, we're just here to pursue you and to uh, keep working on that process and becoming more and more one with you and more agreement with you. In Jesus' name. Kingdom is a form of government. It has nothing to do with religion. Kingdom of God has nothing to do with religion. It's God's government. What makes a kingdom different is that you have one supreme ruler, and kingdoms extend their influence by changing p- 
peoples and territories to live and act and look and have their culture and their ways. That's how a kingdom expands. So at a very simple, very, very, very high level, think of heaven as the homeland, the home estate, and earth as a colony. And God's original plan was to colonize earth and make this place like that. The Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that's not an afterthought. God's original plan was for us to always live in kingdom and to expand the kingdom. Okay, that's just period. So keep that concept in mind. And second thing I want to point out is that kings get glory when their people reflect their authority and their culture and their way of doing things. Kings don't get glory by having you come live with them. They get glory when you live like them. So when, when somebody in a territory of a kingdom acts and reflects and speaks and upholds the values and the laws of the homeland, that brings glory and the, the reputation and the influence of that king expands when everyone in his kingdom lives like him. Okay, so that's, that's what this is all about. And on Wednesday, Angie was out of town, and so I had the girls by myself, and I was getting ready to walk out the door to go to work, and, and I have a really weird job. The, the way that I, the thing that I do is I work out of my house, um, and I, my schedule changes every day, and I love it, and I've always got different things to do, and so this particular day, my schedule worked out to where I wasn't going to be anywhere that would be dangerous, because I go into a lot of chemical plants and refineries and stuff, and I had this thought, invite the girls, and I was already ready to walk out the door, but so I, I said, okay. I, I went and I said, hey, guys, I'm going to leave in about 20 minutes. I'm inviting you to come along. And as an incentive, this is not a bribe. And I'm not paying you to do this, but I want you to know that I believe God's got some good things in store for us. And you can help me uncover and find those things if you go with me. So just as an initial bonus, if you will, there's $20 in it for you. We'll be gone for 45 hours minimum. It may be more. I don't know. But uh, if you, you don't have to go. You, you're free to say no. I was giving an invitation. And if you say no, there's no strings attached. There's no, I'm not gonna, there's no underlying message, no guilt trips, but I'm leaving in about 20 minutes. And one said yes right away, I think, and the other one said no right away and then changed her mind. And when I came back upstairs, she'd already made her bed and she was dressed and she goes, I want to go. And what happened was a really cool, <laughs> I've chosen to speak about them in third party so that they can reveal who they are and what they do, and it's not, I'm not guilty of that, but I've got two daughters, and they're in the room, and, and you can ask them afterwards who did what, but uh, so we got in the car, and I said, okay, three ground rules. You're not siblings. You're working with me today. I don't need any distractions. I'm at work. I get rewarded by creating value for my customers. And sibling rivalry and having to discipline is a distraction from that. So you're taking away from my value. So we, there won't be any of that during this time. Secondly, no complaining. Thirdly, you have permission to be on your phone at certain times when I'm not talking to you. But when I'm talking to you, I want eye contact and attention. And I don't want... Any distractions? Because, again, distractions detract and take away from value. And part of being productive and prosperous is creating value. That's how we get rewarded. And I said, I don't want to train you to be an hourly worker. I want to train you to think like a business owner, an entrepreneur. I want you to learn how to go 
and find opportunity and create opportunity and create value. Now, here's the thing. I didn't have all this when I, I, I just had the thought. It was a passing thought, and I thought, man, was that God or is that me? Because I've been praying about this. I want to teach my kids lessons that took me 30, 40 years to learn. I want to impart and help them accelerate. But I didn't, it's real tempting to, to want to overthink things and go, okay, well, I've got to plan it out, and I've got to get a curriculum, and I've got to write all these things down, and I've got to be really detailed. And I just, I was like, okay, I'm just going to step out. I think I heard God. I'm inviting you all to go. If I'm wrong, at least you get 20 bucks. But I believe there's going to be good things that we're going to encounter, and we're going to have, we're going to have a good day. So the second thing that while we were driving, I said, I want to give you a, something, a, a task. I want you to research a tool for me. I've already researched it. I know where to find it. I don't know how much it costs. I know which one I want. But I want you to go through the exercise. I want you to practice doing this. And so I described this thing that I was looking at, and I said, now see if you can find it. And one of them found it in about three seconds because she's got a better search engine on her phone, and the other one found it about a minute later. But the point was, I said, look, you may never, ever need this tool. You may, I'm not training you to come do the work that I do. I'm training you to think. I, the reason why I'm able to do what I do is because I learned how to think about serving others and solving problems and creating value. Like, really, one of the hardest things to do is when people ask, what do you do? I'm like, well, I just, I do all these different things, but I basically serve, serve people by solving problems related to a particular industry. And I said, so what you just did is called research. And research is something that applies to any discipline, any field, anything you would ever want to do, whether it's, you know, even if it's just volunteering or serving others or not even a business associated, everybody needs to learn how to do research. And so then the next thing I said, I want you to catch on to what's going on here. There's little aspects of the day, little ideas, tasks, like that task, following these three simple rules, saying yes. Um, I said, but there's a bigger picture as well at the same time. Just like I told you, what you're learning how to do is not to go find this one tool, but you're learning how to do research. I said, I want you to learn to think from different perspectives. I want you to learn to see what's going on in the moment, but I also want you to be looking beyond and thinking bigger and thinking, how, how is this going to apply? How can I use this elsewhere? And so the, the, and, the, and again, this stuff's coming to me as we're in the car. I, this is not preplanned. And so then the next thing the Lord gives me is, if you want to prosper, you need to learn to create value. That's what you get rewarded for doing. That's what prospering comes from. I said, you don't know what's going on in my head because you don't understand the work that I do. I've got all these different things that I'm working on. And taking time away from the creative process and the things I'm focused on to do something like that, that's not really worth my time. That, that's as much as the other things I'm doing. So by you learning to handle tasks like that for me, you're actually creating value for me and helping me go do what I'm good at. And, and what I would rather do is instead of just saying, I'll pay you an hourly wage, I'd rather develop a partner mindset so that as I succeed and prosper, you succeed and prosper with me. Okay. And so this all has an application to the kingdom. I'm teaching them micro perspectives and then macro perspectives. Same thing happens with the kingdom and invitation and deliver us from evil. And I want to share a couple of examples along those lines. And I'll, I'll use a couple more examples from that day. In our last youth group meeting, I was given the talk with our youth, and I asked them a question. I was talking about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, or 6 and 7, 5 and 6. How many of you know what th Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says? Raise your hand. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So to teach this to the youth, I had a youth stand up. And normally we would do this at camp, you know, when I was a kid, and you'd do a trust fall. And that's where everybody puts their arms out. Someone stands on a platform, and you have to fall back. We didn't have time to do that, so I, had, I picked the wrong kid. It was a tall, big, muscular kid. And, and he, he went back, but he kind of caught himself a little bit like that, and I was glad because he, he was, you know, a big kid. And, um, but I said, I said, what did you do? Did you trust me with all your heart? He's like, no. You know, he kind of, and, and so we walked him through that. But then I said, now, I really, the heart of this verse, I believe, is in the next part. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. When you hear that, what do you think of that? What do, what do you think, how do you think we do that? What does that mean to you? And I asked a few of them, and, and, and I got some answers like, well, it means like pray before you eat, or tell people God bless you, or you know, um, I can't remember what the third thing was. And I said, those are all really good examples of what it's not about, in my opinion. I believe it's in the ballpark, but it's on the very edge of the ballpark. And I said, the word acknowledge means more of asking him to speak and to give direction. And so you, when, you, when you're in like a, a uh, an assembly of legislators, when they're deliberating over a law or something, they would, you know, the, the chairman would say, the chair defers to the gentleman from so-and-so. And, -so. and we, we, I acknowledge that person to speak and to give their opinion and to speak into a matter. So in all of your ways, yield the floor to him and invite him to speak and give you direction. And then he'll direct your steps. I didn't understand that as a youth. And so I, I thought it was... I did the best that I could. I, I, I would pray over my food and say, God bless you, and just try to insert. I would just try to acknowledge him. Hey, God's real. God loves you. God, you know, I just try to put him in every little way that I could. And another reason why I don't think that that's what that means is it's kind of along the mindset of, like, what would Jesus do? And I think that was one of the answers that somebody said, what would Jesus do? I said, the problem with what would Jesus do is it puts the responsibility on you to figure out what you're supposed to do that would be like him. I said, I, I believe that's a good thing to think about. What would Jesus do? But ask him. Just ask him. What should I do in this situation? Ask him to speak. But a lot of times we live under this burden of we've got to perform or do good for, for him. And so that's point number one. And, and, and what I want to share in this message is, is hopefully by removing some burdens or some wrong thoughts and giving some encouragement we can all be a little bit more skilled and effective and better at saying yes on a consistent basis because it's the maintaining of our yes that keeps us delivered. Well, one of point, Lena's points in the message was your last thought locates you. Your continuous thoughts, that's where you, your direction is. And then your direction takes you to your destination. And by destination, we're not talking about heaven. We got that when we got born again. If you're not born again, receive Jesus, you have heaven. I've got that peace. I know that when I die, that's where I'm going. I don't worry about that. But my destination is what is his assignment and his calling here now. If you're on a special forces military team, your destination will be here one day and here another day. And your destination is what is God calling us to do in the moment. But if we've got wrong ideas about what he's calling us to do and how he's calling us to do it, we, we can take a long time getting to where we're supposed to go. Or we can go in the wrong direction. Or we can be just out of energy by the time we get there. And God doesn't want to have these, these wrong thoughts on us. So 
Another uh, situation happened two weeks ago. A friend reached out and asked a question over a text, and I didn't ask their permission to share this. I'm just going to keep it anonymous. It's not a big deal, but this is the text. How did you get to a place of no guilt or condemnation? And I was on the road to San Antonio. I was in between phone calls doing all those crazy things that I do that so can seem frantic and random to people. But I just felt like this is a heartfelt question, and I want to give a heartfelt response. And so my response was, I'm I'm driving down the road. I got my Bluetooth helicopter headset on. People think I look like a helicopter pilot. But I found that they work really well. I'm in between phone calls, and I was like, this is what came out of my spirit. Lots of chewing, talking about, thinking about, meditating on, pondering, really getting a granular understanding of the kingdom. All of the kingdom works by his ability, not ours. And, and I had to put a to be continued because I had to get onto another call that I was technically on. And then later that day, that person said, oh, my gosh, God ministered through your words, and it was really powerful. And um, that ties in with that first point. It's not about our ability. And a lot of times we're slow to say yes or we don't follow through on our yes because we wear ourselves out. Either we try to do our best and, and we, no matter how, how, what our best is, it's, it's never good enough. It's not about our ability. He gave us our ability, so he can't be impressed with our abilities. And then, but then there's also this other feeling that we're, we're not doing enough, you know, like we should be doing more. And, and those are heavy burdens, and those slow us down, and they keep us from saying the yes that we need to be saying. It's not about our ability. So where do we get this wrong idea that if God says it, it's going to happen, it's automatic? And I believe the Lord showed me something along those lines in how he established Israel. So I want to use Israel as an illustration to you today to point out a little picture and a big picture. What is so important and powerful about Israel is that it was a covenant between God and Abraham. And it had Israel put on display what we do in our individual lives. We try and then we fail. We try and then we fail. We try and then we fail. No matter, now they didn't have the Holy Spirit the way that we do, so I'm not saying that we're bound to that pattern, but I'm saying God fulfilled his word to Abraham because of his name. It wasn't because Israel qualified and did everything that they were supposed to. God continuously was frustrated and angry with them. But the fact that Israel is a nation today is a testimony to all of creation that the God of heaven is who he says he is because he said he was going to do it. He said he was going to create a nation. That nation would be destroyed and it would be rebirthed. It's also a picture of what happened with his son. His son came and he died and he was resurrected. And there is a powerful prophetic message. And so it's real easy to just look at Israel on a natural phenomena and not see the prophetic picture behind the scenes of what God is doing. But that is an instance where God said something was going to happen and it's going to happen because his name's on the line. That's where that thought comes from. And there are certain things that God says are going to happen no matter what because of my name. But then there's other things that he says, there are, I'm going to do this if you do this. He needs our yes. Now go back to that concept about kings get glory when people live like them. 
This is what God did with the kingdom. He chose to glorify himself through lower beings, us, and he gave us the right to tell him no. He enabled us, he gave us the authority to rule in this realm and to limit, to a certain extent, his ability to do what he wants to do here. That's why our yes is so important. And how beautiful it is as this body of Christ continues to grow and more and more people turn their hearts and minds to him and we say yes to what he is saying yes to. And so when we sing, when we worship, when we reflect his glory in our lives, he's getting more and more and more glory. His government will never end. It is continuing to expand. That's the beauty and the power. But when we approach any subject, any, any spiritual topic, any verse, and we approach it with that wrong mindset, we can take that, that aspect of Old Testament theology and misapply it to our lives today and be deceived into saying, well, God said it, so it's going to happen. So I'm just going to wait. And a lot of times we're tricked out of, out of our yes. We're tricked out, we're deceived out of what our role is. We're called to be a living sacrifice. I think that has lots of different expressions. But when I worship, I want to move around. <laughs> I like to move. I, when there's this song that says, um, why can't I praise him as loud as I want? You know, I, I think it's wrong that we can go to a sports game and get loud and crazy, but we can't do that for God. I want to, I, I just want there to be freedom. And I believe that's what God wants. And, and, but if, again, that's just, that's just a tiny, tiny little example if we think, if we allow the enemy to, to deceive us with wrong ideas about God, we can get distracted into sitting on the bench while the train leaves the station. It doesn't mean, again, it doesn't, we're not talking about heaven. We're not saying we're not going to heaven. But there's something that God's doing every day in your life individually and in a corporate setting that you have a right to participate in. You have the right to say no to. But if you say yes, you add something and you let God do something unique through your life that only he could do through you. If you say yes. The name of our youth group, by the way, is Yes Tonight. So we have this thing that, that whenever we, we start off, we say, so tonight. And all, <laughs> they say, yes, tonight. We didn't even, there's a long story behind how that came about. But one day I realized, this is what we're doing. We're teaching the youth. We're encouraging them to learn to say yes every day, more and more with greater freedom and greater frequency. Just say yes. That is our journey as believers, is to say yes. When you're getting ready to walk into a business meeting and you don't know how to handle what's coming at you, whether you know, you're, you're being challenged or you're in a negotiation or whatever, God, what do I do in this situation? What do you want? How do you want... I know a man who's a real estate agent, and he is so bold. He tells his customers, your property is going to do well because I'm a tither and I'm a son of the king. And everything that's under my hand prospers. Like He speaks like that to multimillionaires. He manages a multimillion dollar project. And that is bold. You never know how, who that could offend or who that could inspire. But he's not worried about that. He just wants to say yes every way that he can in every situation. The other example that I wanted to share is, well, first off, saying yes. We're not just saying yes to God, giving him our permission. The objective and the goal is to say yes and give him your submission. Because if we just give him our permission, okay, God, yep, go on, go have your way, go in the house, you know. No, he didn't say that. 
He said, I want you to take me to every room and we're going to go through everything together. And I'm going to ask you to throw things out. And I'm going to ask you to submit things to me. And I'm going to ask you to steward things in a certain way. Totally different than just saying, okay, I give you permission. You know, very, very different. So the Lord's Prayer was one of the other illustrations or one of the the talking points in Lena's sermon. And that's where we got deliver us from evil. I love the Lord's Prayer. I think there's a lot of revelation hidden in the Lord's Prayer. One of my one of the secret mysteries I think that's present in the Lord's Prayer is the use of the word daily. It's the only time that's used in the New Testament and it's really not even translated properly. It means that which we exist upon. So the closest thing the translators could come up with was daily cuz like if, if you need something daily then you're existing upon it. But Think about all of the Lord's Prayer in a daily aspect. What do you do on a daily basis? What are some of the things that you cannot do, cannot not do daily? Breathe. You might go without food. Water is really hard to go without. You need to go to the bathroom. You need to eliminate waste. We need forgiveness on a daily basis. Not because we're worms and we're scum, but because we fall short. We, it doesn't matter how good our ability is. It, it, that, it's not our ability that impresses him. And we're all going to let each other down, whether willfully or unknowingly. And so we all need to be giving forgiveness to one another. Lead us away from temptation. We need to be led on a daily basis. We need him to speak into every single one of our ways. How we discipline and train our children, how we resolve conflict, how we express ourselves. We need him to deliver us from evil. We don't even know all the evil that we've been delivered from. We don't know all the things that the enemy, and and that's not our job to become preoccupied with the enemy. It's his job to deliver us. Sometimes we know about it and sometimes we don't. So deliver us from evil is a daily process. And I believe that a big part of that is saying yes One way that we say yes, this is an illustration that God has spoken to me about, is what I call painting the target. And and there's a a technology that the military uses when they've got a mobile target and they've got forces on the ground. Before they call in an airstrike, they'll plant a team on the ground and they'll paint that target with a laser. That means they just shoot a laser, an invisible laser, on the vehicle or the person while they're moving around so that when an Air Force jet comes in and drops a bomb, that missile follows that laser and goes right to where it needs to go. It's called painting the target. Sometimes that's what we need to be doing with prayer because we, there's moving, tar- there's things that we can't just pray one time and just say, okay, like, it's like Lena's example of just saying, okay, I forgive everybody that hurt me. That's not the same thing as saying, I forgive this person for what they did on this date at this time in my life. That's painting the target. And so, um, the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. We need to hear what you have to say. And by saying yes to him, I believe that that part of painting the target is part of the your kingdom come, your will be done. His will is for that bad thing or that bad person to not be doing what they're doing. So in order for that strike to come in and find its target, there's got to be ground forces that are calling in the airstrike and communication. That's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Boom, on earth as it is in heaven. That's the, that's the Lord's Prayer. That's, that's, that's part of the secret of the Lord's Prayer. Now, 
So our, our responsibility is not our ability, but responding willingly. And there's no condemnation. It's not based on our ability. And that brings me to my last example, Peter. I think Peter is a fascinating illustration, and I think there's some big picture and some little picture nuggets to be taken away from his story. When Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? Well, first he said, who do they say that I am? And they said, oh, all these different answers. Who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, because man didn't reveal this to you. Heaven did. And you're a little rock, but on this big rock, this revelation that you just declared with your mouth, I'm going to build my church. Now, Caesar had his church. Church was an assembly of called out ones. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to build my church upon this declaration that just came. Now, there's a secret in there. How did the declaration come? It came through revelation, but how was it released? By saying. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he said, say. When Jesus, he didn't say, who do you think that I am? He said, who do you say that I am? You're not accountable for what you think. You're accountable for what you say. Saying is a big part of this journey that we're on of saying yes. So we need to not just say yes in our hearts and minds. We need to really say, God, yes. And Lord, if there's any part of me that's not saying yes, point it out to me. How do you want me to say yes in a way that I haven't? Is it, is it with my money? Is it with my time? Is it the way that I express myself? Is it the way that I talk about myself? Is it the way that I react to situations? There is saying, is, that's a big topic. We can't go into it today. But saying is a big part of maintaining our yes. It's a big part of how the kingdom gets released. It's a big part about how our authority gets released. So, <clears throat> the Peter's failure, if you remember, Lena said she turns her page, one page, and then Peter's getting rebuked, get behind me, Satan. I believe that the reason, one of the reasons, this, I felt like the Lord showed me this, that the reason why that failure is so closely recorded to that monumental moment, because Peter's head could have gotten really big. I mean, he was basically getting the number one assignment. You're the top dog. And... I believe that part of the reason why it's recorded there, it's encouragement for all of us because we all are on top of the world and we can mess up the next day. But I think God put it there to protect and prohibit from making a wrong estimation of who Peter was. Because if that wasn't there, it's really easy to say that Jesus was talking about Peter and not the revelation that Peter declared. And there are some denominations that make a bigger deal out of Peter than they make out of the revelation. And I'm not picking on, but Jesus didn't build his, revel his church on Peter or an organization. He built his church on the declaration of a revelation that can only come from God. And that's how the kingdom works. When we're receiving these prophetic words, we're getting invitations and opportunities to hear what heaven is saying. And we're getting an opportunity to, to enter into that kingdom and be a part of that kingdom expansion so that even though the world can't see our risen king on his throne, they see him in us and they hear him. They hear his words on our lips. And whenever any situation presents itself to test us about anything, we're able to say what he is saying. And that's why the gift of tongues is so important. We can ask God what to say. We have a promise that says if any of us lacks wisdom, we can ask him and he will not deny. So when you, don't know what, when you don't know exactly what your yes should sound like, God, give me wisdom. 
Help me say yes to you in a new, clearer, stronger, more committed way. And pray in tongues until you get that. And then when you get it, stand on that and declare it. That is how the kingdom comes. That is why we are here. Now, the last two verses I want to share. One in Proverbs and one in Psalms. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You ever thought about when you think of the word, when you think of words, do you think of sight or sound? Words come through sound, mostly. How can light, how can sound be light? Like, if you think about the picture there, it's kind of a, a, an oxymoron. It's contradictory. Your word, your sound is a light to my feet. Faith comes by hearing and hearing every word that proceeds from his mouth. Once we hear that word, we know where to step. There's a, another exercise that we did with youth. One time we were up, we took some kids hiking up in the Colorado mountains, and you put a blindfold on them, and then everybody pairs up with someone without a blindfold, and you got to follow their instructions. Okay, step right. Big hole in front of you. Okay, step left. There's a rock. Step up. You don't necessarily need to see what's going on if you can hear. And no matter how good you can see in the natural, you can't see. Your sight is limited. There's things on the palm of your hand that you can't see. There's billions of organisms that you cannot see. There's billions of things that are created that are bigger and further away than you could ever see. So it doesn't matter how good or how bad you may think your vision is in the natural. It is limited. But sound can travel through solid materials. Sound can travel through darkness. And I believe that's, a, that's part of the reason why God uses some of the words that he uses. But what I'm tying this into is Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Now, the word that is used there, matter, is actually word. It's the glory of God to conceal a word. It's the glory of kings to search out a word. Now, part of the context, I'm, I'm getting this from Strong's when I was doing my research, but God is subject to no one. He's dependent upon no one. He is complete and whole in himself. He doesn't need the opinion or the input of anybody else to know who he is and what he wants and what, what is right and what he says is law. But kings do. Kings need counsel. And true authority only comes by submitting to authority. So there's no other authority God could submit to. But for a king to be a king, if you want to be a king, and we, by the way, we were created to be kings. We were all created to be kings. If you want to be who God created you to be, the secret to that is submitting to his authority and searching out his words and stewarding his words once they become revelation to you. And then when you steward, then you become a partner. Just like training my daughters, they're learning things that they can take elsewhere and create value. They're becoming partners. That's what we're doing with the kingdom. That's what we're doing with our guests. That's why it's so important that when we, every aspect of our lives, like, well, I, I, I can't remember if it was in one of, one of those two sermons, but this is, not about, this is not about Sunday mornings. This is not what, all that God is doing, this revival that we're wading into, the things that we've been experiencing, this is not about Sunday morning and coming and just doing something here. 
this is a picture of what all of life can and should look like. Not should in a heavy burden like you're not measuring up should, but like, why would you want anything less? If you could enter into your day with the presence of the Lord and you knew driving down the road that his angels are with you. And when you walk into your place of work or your place of wherever, there's influence on you and people that say there's something different about you. Why would we not want that? Why would we not want to hear what he has to say when we're sitting next to someone out in the world and they need healing? Why would we want someone? What if you're the believer that another believer is waiting on that God wants to send a message through, but you believe the lie that it's only for Sunday morning and they don't go to your church. <laughs> so I was just encouraged by this, these, these two messages about the invitation and being remaining delivered from evil. And there's so much that we have to gain when we simply say yes. A couple other things that happened that day when I was with the girls I dropped, one of them had some chores to do and she really wanted to get those finished. And I said, if that's what you want to do, you're free to do that. I want you, whatever you feel, you can make a good choice. I just don't want you on the internet being distracted. But if you can make good use of your time, you have the right to choose. I, I wasn't being a disciplinarian. Again, this was, I'm trying to train them to be responsible. The other one went with me to my next task, went to take a picture of a job site. When we're leaving, all of a sudden I realized, oh, we're by Ariana's tapioca bar so we got to go have tapioca with ariana we were able to pick up one for the other daughter that was still at home so she didn't miss out but there could have been a possibility that she may not have i mean but the point i was teaching them that when we say yes and we enter in with excitement and with a joyful spirit with expectation we have no idea what's going to come up we have no idea what what we experience how it's going to be used and have meaning at a bigger picture down the road. And, and so then that afternoon, we went to another store and I ran into a childhood friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a number of years. And the, the, the day was just full of treasure and blessing. And, and there were, there were another, a number of other things that got to happen. But to me, that picture of saying yes to an invitation is the opportunity that we all have. And as we're waiting in, I believe it's going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And today and last Sunday were a little bit more mellow than the previous Sundays. But God knows that it's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And those ambulances are going to be dropping off the sick. And we are going to have the wheelchairs on the walls. And all the things that God said are going to happen because this is a house that says yes. And the invitation today is to say yes for us to amp up our yes, to step up our yes. Not so that we can impress each other or perform for one another but so that we can steward and receive all that he has for us. He's got things in mind. I believe sometimes God surprises himself. He's just like, I just love y'all so much. I want, to just, I want to do this, you know? That's the joy of being a parent is getting to be that involved on that level. And we are not subjects or servants. We are children. We are heirs and friends and ambassadors. And we're here for a purpose. And my hope and prayer and my exhortation is that let the Lord show you whenever you're approaching a topic or a spiritual, scriptural truth from a, with, a, with a wrong perspective so that the enemy doesn't allow you to get sidelined because every doctrinal truth, if we have the wrong perspective, can become a denomination and a division and a distraction. And we can miss out. 
And also, if let him encourage you. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And there's so much more that he has for you. But again, he's a gentleman, and he has given us an opportunity within a certain realm, our own, our own segment of sovereignty, if you will. You have the freedom to say yes or no in what he does in your life, and to a certain extent in this house. So let God use you. Let God move through you. Be blessed. And does anybody have anything on their heart? Worship team, leadership team, any words? I could just close with a prayer right now, but I don't want to do the same thing every time. I want to be open, and if, if God has words that he wants to give, I believe he wants us to start expecting new and different things. I, want to, I believe he wants us to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Seriously. This is a house that is raising up leaders and train, seeing lives transformed, training people into their strength, and building team ministry. Even if you don't have a word right now, expect God to speak to you and through you because you carry his presence when you leave this place. And that's how his kingdom expands is by you looking and sounding like him wherever you go. Father, we love you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all the ways that you speak to us. You teach us. You encourage us and lift our burdens. Thank you for showing us that we are not here to barely scrape by as religious subjects, but we're your children. And you created and destined us to reign with you. And our truest authority comes when we submit to yours. We love you and we want all that you have for us. Help us to love you more and more with all that we are and to make room for you and to not hold back anything from you. And thank you for forgiving us of our shortfalls and our sins as we forgive others for theirs. Thank you for helping us individually and as a house to enter into all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.